Welcome to Preaching at Trinity. Preaching at Trinity is a podcast for the sermons preached at Trinity Baptist Church of Westfield, Indiana. We hope that you enjoy the messages over these next few weeks as Pastor Minton preaches a series of sermons out of the book of Titus. Here's our senior pastor at Trinity Baptist Church, Dr. Daniel Minton. All right, Titus chapter 2, verse 1. I'm actually just going to read the first three verses right now. In fact, I'm only going to preach the first three verses. So we talk about the people of a mature church. Paul's letter to Titus is very clear and straightforward. Many times in life, we desire that God speak to us in a straightforward manner. We want, in fact, at times we long, and it's not a bad longing, but we long for God to speak to us audibly so that we would know exactly what he wants to do. I'm sure you've probably said that in your own heart or your own mind. I've said that. If God, if God just appeared or just audibly spoke and said, Daniel, do this, I would absolutely do it. And, and we want that because we want that, that easy knowledge of what the Lord desires us to do. Well, when it comes to the will of the church, God has been extremely clear. He's given us the clearest direction possible, the purpose of the church is to glorify God and to exalt his name. And second, the church is to make a, his riches known to the world around us. We would just call that evangelism. And so we're given this command to, to make disciples for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's explicitly stated in every single gospel and in the book of Acts. It's clear. It's its whole statement of what we're to do. And so we don't have to wonder what God's will is for the church. And yet at the same time, it's hard to do. And the church of Crete that Titus is pastoring, or the churches of Crete where Titus is pastoring, they're, they're failing to meet that expectation, that command, that clear description from the Lord. And so let's ask ourselves today, what specific instruction does God give us concerning our behavior in the church and there's something for everyone in this in this passage verses 1 through 10 he's going to go through five different groups or segments of people we're going to look at the first two he's going to start by talking to older men in the church then older women in the church then younger women in the church then younger men in the church and then servants in the church and so there's something for everyone here because we're either older or younger. I think that's fair to say. Now you might ask yourself, when, when Paul's giving this description of older, what does he mean? Well, there's a lot of debate about that. And kind of everyone agrees the cutoff to be around 60. But I'm not sure that's true. Be honest, I'm not sure that's true. And you're not going to like my response. <laughs> I think it's younger than that. And the reason is because the, he's writing to the first century church. And uh, people just didn't live quite as long back then. So maybe he's, talking, maybe he's talking 40. Whatever it is, it doesn't really matter what the actual age cutoff is. Because the whole purpose is for the maturing of the saints. So maybe the better question you want to ask, sir, ask yourself is, do you fit in the category of being biblically mature or not? 
And so he starts with Titus with a really, again, clear, straightforward message. And the clear message of Titus chapter 2 is that Titus must speak the clear truth. So read with me Titus chapter 2 verse 1. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children. I know I went a little bit over there, but that's okay. They flow together, these verses. In fact, if you were to count, I think you would come up to 29 characteristic traits or behaviors that are listed. So this could be a really boring message. If all I did was go down through every single characteristic trait, and I'm going to do that um, to a degree. But I want you to see how he starts, because he starts by telling Titus, this is really clear, it's crystal clear what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to teach the truth. In fact, there's really good, two really good words here in, in verse 1. But as for you, speak the things. So he's telling Titus, he's to preach and to teach the things which are proper for sound doctrine. The word proper literally means to tower up or to build a tower, a conspicuous tower, this, this object that sticks out from everything else around it. So Titus is to teach a, a, a doctrine, a, a clear doctrine that stands out, that sticks out from society around it. And on top of that, it's sound doctrine. And it's, it's actually the word that we get hygiene from. So it's, it's good, clean, healthy doctrine is what he's saying. Uh, and, and so Titus is to, to teach doctrine that is significant or stands out from the society of the world that he's in. Now, I remind you, Crete was not, it was a shipping uh, island. The whole island is basically a series of small ports, and, and it's filled with merchants and sailors and pirates. And these are not the cleanest people. These are not the people that you, you really want to build a society with, and yet that's what he has to work with. And the churches is begin, are, are beginning to be infiltrated by some of the unsound teachings and practices of society. So there's churches, lots of small churches, but they're not strong. They're not filled with mature believers. And so Titus's job is to build them up, to create churches that are pillars of society that stand out in truth, in good, clean doctrine. And so Titus is to build biblically mature influencers in society. We don't use that word in a good way right now necessarily, influencers, right? Uh, social media is full of influencers, but they tend not to be the right kind of influence. And yet the church here is meant to be a, a, a building place, a factory that produces godly people who stand out in society and who speak the truth in love. And so mature believers are to demonstrate, not just teach, but also demonstrate the truth. And it's doctrine that changes people. In fact, I just heard a statistic yesterday that since COVID, average churches in America have declined by some 
15% in attendance. So the average person in America, there's 15% less people in America attending church now than before uh, the, the pandemic. That's a bad, bad statistic. But I heard another statistic that followed up on that, and that is there's an exception. Churches that are gospel-centered have actually grown. Not by 15%, but about half that. And you know what that tells us? It tells us that society is divided on wanting to know the truth. And yet there's people out who are searching for the truth. They don't want to be fed lies. They don't want to be, uh, be made to feel comfortable necessarily. They want the real thing. And so they're leaving churches that are not, that are not holding to the, the doctrines of the Bible. And they're finding churches that do or they're just falling away. Well, John 8, 32 says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Pastor Hester didn't know I was going to quote that, and yet he started the service with that. Because that's what we need to focus on, is the truth. And, and what does the truth do? It frees us from sin, and it frees, us, it frees us from the flesh, and it frees us from the penalty of enslavement. That's the freedom that we have with the truth. And so doctrine must properly present Jesus Christ. God wants us to conduct ourselves in a way that is attractive to the world around us, not because they see in us these great qualities, but because the gospel changes our behavior and it changes our conduct and it changes our character to match that of Christ. And so we're to carry that truth. And the most important way to do this is to speak that sound doctrine and then to demonstrate it. And so in in verse 2 all the way through verse 10, as I said, we have 29 characteristics. And you're going to see some of them. In fact, you're going to see the word sober every single one. But you're going to see other things like temperate. That means self-control or charity, which is love or patience or sound speech that cannot be condemned. And every morning, it's the job of the church when they're not assembled to gather gather before the Lord and to open up the mirror of God's word and to examine themselves. Every morning, hopefully every morning, you get up and you look in the mirror. We've got this modern technology called mirrors. And you look in the mirror and you see the flaws that, that the night has created, right? Disheveled hair. You got drool, a drool pool coming down your cheek. Maybe, maybe not. You got crusties in your eye. Maybe you're like my son and you got dirt on your face. I don't know how, but somehow. You know, you you look in the mirror and you see those things and you're to prepare yourself to be attractive for the day. That's what we do. And yet we're to take take the same analogy and go to God's word And we're to look into God's word and examine ourselves. And when we see the defects, we're to ask Christ to change them and allow him to change these things in our life so that we appear beautiful and attractive to the world. And it's not in us. It's God making that change in us. And a healthy church is marked by mature believers. Titus is not in a healthy church here. But the goal is to set things in order and mature people so that they, they look and act and speak like Christ. 
And so let's look at the role of mature believers in the church. And we start with the role of older men in the church. And so we get these characteristics. We're just going to go down quickly through the characteristics. He starts with sober. And this one's important. And the reason it's so important is it's listed in every single one of these groups. The older men, the younger men, the older women, the younger women, they're, they're to be sober. It means serious of mind, serious-minded. In other words, they focus on the things of the Lord. The idea is not to be overindulgent in anything. They're not overindulgent in the manner in which they eat. So gluttony would be in opposition to being of sober mind or drinking. Now we understand that because we often link the word sober with drinking. Activities uh, as well. Just the things that we love and the things that we pursue in this life should not uh, overpower the work of the Lord in our life. So we're moderate in activities and habits so that nothing distracts us from living for Christ. Second, they're, they're said to be reverent. Reverent is full of honor and dignity. It's to be of such strong conviction and behavior that it inspires confidence and strength in, specifically, the younger men. And he's going to link that later. And the, and the older women and the younger women are even easier to see the link because it, it flows from one into the other uh, without a break. And yet these, the older men of the Church of Crete are to be reverent in a way that, that the young men see that and say, I want to learn. I want to be like that. I want to be that kind of a man. Next is temperate. It means self-controlled. We get our word self-discipline from this, self-discipline and able to curve the desires and the temptations that they face every day. So their minds are sensible and in control. In fact, that word sensible is going to occur multiple times as well. It means that they're not wasting their time. And this is really hard because older men, depending on how you define that, depending on where you are in life, older men typically have a lot more time and a lot more money than younger men. And yet, how do you use it? In self-control, they're not to allow their lust or their desires or their passions to overpower their desire and ability to serve Christ. Next is sound in the faith. It means standing on a, a sure foundation, a confident foundation, not fickle in what they believe and how they apply that and live it out in their life. So they're living by faith. How they live by faith is healthy. And I mentioned last week that being faithful and having faith are not the same thing. Having faith is our trust and our confidence that we place in God. Being faithful means we're just doing the things that we're supposed to do. It's purely outward, but it's supposed to come from that inward faith. And here they're to be sound in faith. James 2, 17 says, Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Next is love or loving or charity. Love is... Uh, here to the Lord, but it's also to other believers and even people that you might not know yet. It's described as, in, in Galatians chapter 6, 2, love. I love this illustration. <laughs> that was redundant. This is a, a great verse, Galatians 6, 2, that love bears one another's burdens. 
Now, that takes a whole level of love that, frankly, most of the world does not get to. To carry other people's anxiety and stress and trouble with them. We take the load off of them, and, and I don't just mean uh, uh, in physical work or tasks, but emotionally we come alongside them and help them bear the struggles that they're going through. Of course, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's the great love chapter that we explicitly use for weddings, right? It's like the verse, the only chapter in the Bible you can use for a wedding, or you have to use. No. Paul wrote it to a church that that wasn't getting married to anybody. It was how the church was behaved in society. All these incredible attributes of love that are to to be displayed by everyone, especially the older men of the church. And then he gets on to patience. Patience is the ability to endure difficulty or disappointment or failure. And here's where I think patience does not bode well in people today, in today's society and sometimes in the church. And it's, it's in the area of expectations. If we live with patience, then it, moves, it means we move beyond the expectations or therefore the unmet expectations that we have for scenarios and for people. So when you're patient with someone, it means when they don't live up to the expectation you have for them, you don't disregard everything and just move on. You use love, as Galatians 6.2 says, and you come alongside them and you bear their burden with them. And so... We've got this list of characteristics for the older men of the church. But it, it brings me to a point I feel like I need to, to state. And that is that we have a problem with age in our society. We have a problem with age. We, we know what happens with age. Age brings diminished physical strength and energy of vitality. It just does. I'm starting to feel it at times. My joints hurt. They've never hurt before. I used to sleep through the night. Now I long for nights where I can sleep without waking up. Right? Age creeps up on us. And it it causes problems. Literal, physical problems. But it also brings problems. And and I think our society has detached from age to the point where we don't want to uh, become involved Involved in examining ourselves. Old people, and I know I'm going to speak very plainly here and very broadly, but old people become entrenched in sin. They become comfortable with sin in their life. And it causes them to lose their refined edge. But as a believer, it's an opportunity to demonstrate spiritual vitality. Now let me, I'm going to be plain, and I'm, I know I'm stepping on toes. I'm not stepping on toes, I'm stomping on toes. I know it. But sometimes old people get crotchety. They're, they're just cranky. And, and Christians should never be cranky. And, and I get it, because as you get older, you think, I got less time. I'm not going to waste my time, uh, you know, tenderly walking around everyone in their feelings. And so I'm just going to state, state what the truth is. But please, can we do it with love? 
That's what Christ commands us to do, to do it with love. So yeah, tell people the truth, but do it nicely. Smile. Do it for their spiritual benefit, not so they stop bothering you. Right? We don't need, what's the term? Church curmudgeons. We don't need curmudgeons. Grumpy people who sit there and say, amen. Right? We got this problem with age where we feel like I'm this way and the world must accept me. They can just deal with it. But Christ gives us this opportunity, especially with age, to show a level of grace that is similar to the grace and the mercy and the love that he demonstrated to the world. Listen, I'll be honest, it is hard at times to show kindness and mercy like, like my Savior does. But I desire to, I want to. And so let us use the time that we have to master that skill to allow Christ to change us so that we speak with delicate, kind words that in, inflict change on people rather than inflict rage. Let's draw, help people be drawn closer to Christ. This is what the church needs. Godly uh, saints that bring stability and strength and wisdom to a church. Spiritually mature men can develop strong disciples. In fact, spiritually mature men can develop strong disciples faster than, than young men can do it. Because they have age and they have consistency and they have time. They have more time if they're retired. They have more skill. Oh, just think of how you were when you were in your 20s. Think of how much time you wasted just spinning your wheels like a cartoon character who's running, getting momentum up before they ever even move. I think back to my 20s. I think back how, how I wasted uh, so much time with great vigor doing nothing of, of great value. They say the most profitable decade in business, in the business world, for a man is his 60s. Well, should it not be that way in the church too? You know, old, old men are not starting from scratch. They've got gray hair. They've got wisdom. They have patience, hopefully. And the age men of the church should be the greatest display of spiritual health. And so let me ask you, as an older man, what old habits are holding you back from developing that level of spiritual maturity in your life so that your life is actually marked by, by serious-minded reverence and self-control and soundness of faith and a love and a patience that mirrors Christ. Let me ask you another question. Who are you investing in so that the next generation of the church, the next generation of young men in the church are stronger than your generation in the church? Is that not the goal? To raise up strong leaders in the church who will take the church to the next level. And yet I fear that that's not happening. 
And so let me ask the young men, what older men can you walk alongside of to learn and grow and develop your faith? You should be looking for older men who can challenge you, who can push you, who can advise you, who can care for you, who can speak the truth plainly but with love. All right. Let's move on to the older women. And all the men said, Amen. Verse 3. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teaching teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. And so we have the, the older women here, their, their behavior, the first uh, component of behavior is to be reverent in behavior. It means holy or righteous. That literally, the word means set apart, to take something and to, to move it away so that it's distinguished uh, as unique. They're to live in a spiritual focus on spiritual things. So they're constantly talking about spiritual things. They're constantly thinking about spiritual things. They're constantly doing spiritual things. And it's seen then in how they talk, because they're not to be slanderers, not a person who gossips or speaks poorly of others. This one is important. This must be demonstrated. I know there's lots of of ill-timed jokes I could use right now about gossip and women, but we all know that gossip is, is not just exclusive to women. Men do it just as much, but, but, but women, I think, are tempted to do it in a way that's different. And here, the idea is to stir up mischief and disturbance. And, and it's done at times in, in a faux, fake manner of godliness in that they detect a character issue in someone else. And so they speak of that issue to others when biblically they should speak to the person themselves. And I know, again, I'm speaking in generalities and maybe I'm going to make you upset. I'm not trying to make you upset. I'm trying to challenge you how Titus is being challenged by Paul to be serious and sober about our faith. Too often women are, are too concerned with what other women will think. They're not really concerned what the men will think. They're concerned with what the other women in the church will think. And the reason is because women are too judgmental at times. And they fear the judgment of other people. And so it, it keeps them from acting biblically and going to one another as Christ has commanded. Don't worry, I'm going to get to the men again. All right. And so he gives this command not to slander, not to speak ill of other people. Let's just be honest. Biblically mature people follow the pattern of Scripture so that if I have a problem with my brother or a problem with my sister in Christ, I go to them and them alone with the hopes that they hear me and they follow Christ. Right? That's what Matthew 18 tells us. If I've been offended or hurt or I see a spiritual flaw in someone else, my job is to go to them and speak to them with the care of their soul in mind. Not my feelings, 
not, not, uh, not to get a pat on the back, not so that I feel good about myself. It's for their spiritual benefit, and that should be demonstrated in the older women of the church. Also, not given to much wine means not seeking to consume uh, alcohol. And uh, again, don't think of it in today's terms of alcohol. Think of it in the Bible's terms of alcohol. In, in the Old Testament and New Testament alike, really, up until about 100 years ago, water was impure and, and needed to be treated at times with alcohol to purify the water. And so he's simply saying, don't be someone who consumes so much with the intent that you get drunk. Don't be controlled by any other substance. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 tells us that. That I will not allow my body to be controlled by anything. And that doesn't mean just alcohol. It means any substance or activity that controls me spiritually, that has dominance over me, it is a sin. Older women are to be teachers of good things. This is the ministry of the home. The, the very testimony and example of their home is to be a strong example of Christ. And, and this upsets people because they think I'm saying that women must be relegated to the home. That's not what I'm saying. In fact, if you were to go to Proverbs chapter 31, you see that one of the greatest descriptions of a biblical woman who manages her household well, who loves her children with such high degree that they call her blessed and listen to her, that she honors and loves her husband. And if you read the Proverbs 31 woman, she is extremely active in business and society. She's successful in everything she does. That's a biblically strong woman, and that's what is meant here. But her home is her highest priority. By the way, a man's highest priority is also the home. There's different roles there, of course, but it's a high priority. And so God speaks highly of a woman who can manage her household, train her children, love her husband, accomplish much in this world. And that's what older women are to demonstrate. And listen, I just, I understand. I've counseled uh, a lot of young couples, and I understand. I was there years ago, but I understand when you start having children and life gets just, it goes from, it's just me and my husband to now I've got these little rugrats that are all over the place making a mess everywhere I go and they're, they're, they, just, they just make messes literally in their clothes and outside their clothes. It's, it's just chaos all the time and it gets overwhelming. We need older women who will come alongside them and challenge and encourage them when they freak out that their child is, has a sniffle or a raised red spot on their arm or whatever, that there's older women there to come along, say, uh, uh, come along, say, and say, "Don't worry, your child is not growing a third arm. Everything will be okay." To be a teacher of good things, to manage the household well. In fact, that's really the last command. You could argue whether this is a characteristic or not. I believe it is, and that's to admonish the young women. They're also to be teaching, to encouraging. Admonish here means to build up, to edify, to help them grow, to help them be healthy. In fact, it literally means to make them sober. To help them have a sober, stable, serious mind. That they think correctly. So this, the job here is the older women to teach in word and deed to train younger women how to be serious 
minded. By the way, that, that then means they have to have that trait themselves. And so there's this list. In fact, I, I want to I point this out. There's a really high level of commitment to proper behavior in this passage or characteristics. We read the men. I think there were six, if I remember correctly. It doesn't really matter. And then there's another, however many here, I can't count very quickly, five. And, but if you read the passage, it says in verse 4 that they admonish the young women, and then it starts a new list. And this, I think this list is for the young women, but by default, it's also for the older women. So it's, it's more like the older women don't have five, they have 14. Because how are they going to teach the young women if they themselves aren't doing, demonstrating these things? So they have to have these qualities as well. We're going to go over them next week, but I just want to remind you of that and read them quickly. That they admonish the young women to love their husband, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. And so we have this great uh, uh, level of characteristics, this, this high uh, quality of biblically mature people who are investing in the next generation. I'm going to give you another problem of our society. And I think this one's very serious for the church to consider. We have a danger in society of casting away the old. Disregarding them. We do it in a couple ways. I think that obviously, I think the most obvious way your probably mind went there is nursing homes. We place our loved ones in nursing homes. I'm not saying it's, it's a sin to do that. But I, I heard another statistic two weeks ago. That the average resident of a nursing home receives per month one one-hour visit. That's pathetic. You know what that tells me? Because I know there's some of you who, and your, your, your loved ones are in nursing homes for, for reasons that are, are not unbiblical, and I know that I see you taking them out and, and, and interacting with them daily just about. You know what that means? There's probably millions who never receive a visit. What a shame that our society casts away some of the wisest, most experienced people. What a shame if our church does that. Obviously, the church can't put anyone in a nursing home, but the church can certainly disregard the, the older people, the people who have experience and wisdom. The tendency is to think that the old are irrelevant, right? And by the way, that's really vague. Talk to a teenager, that means anyone in their, in their upper 20s and over, old and irrelevant. By the way, in our society, it's, it's, it, it sometimes feels that way. <laughs> With as fast as technology is changing and how fast our society is advancing, it's easy to feel old much younger. 
But let's not cast away the wisest people from our church and act as if they don't have wisdom and they don't have experience, they don't have knowledge to pass on. Of course, then that means we need biblically mature people who will stand up to do what is right and encourage and grow the next generation to be a godly group of believers. God's word does not change. And these people should know God's word and know it well. And so there's a need. The need is for serious believers for mature believers who demonstrate healthy faith and who build it up so that it sticks out from society and it sticks out as a church, a body of believers who love the Lord and are passionate about him. But of course, there's a second component to that. There needs to be teachable young people. Young people who are ready to learn, who are eager to know. Young people who look for the wise and the experience of older generations. Older believers, of course, then, I'll go back to what I said earlier, they need to make it easy for the young people to seek them out. Not church curmudgeons who don't want to be spoken to or look like they don't want to be spoken to, but older, mature believers who with great tenderness and love and seriousness who speak good things and are patient and reverent they welcome others to come alongside them this is there's a strong emphasis as i said from the old to the young in this passage to transition that if you're an older woman how does your spiritual maturity reflect a pattern of sustained growth because that's the growth that we see here listed he moves from the older women of the church right into teaching and admonishing the younger women as if they have all those traits and they're ready to instill them in others listen if you're a younger woman how does your spiritual maturity reflect a pattern or demonstrate these qualities that the, the mature women of the church have. How have you seen it? Who have you seen it in? And who are you seeking to help strengthen you, to make you mature? Well, all the old people, do not worry. Next week, we'll get to the young, and it is equally as harsh. I started working on the sermon after that. It's an encouraging sermon, so just be not weary in well-doing. We'll get to the encouraging passages of Titus soon. But what a challenge this is. Our church, if we're going to continue to grow in a generation where church attendance is declining, we must teach and demonstrate the truth of Jesus Christ. May others see Christ in us. So who are you investing in? Or who's investing in you? Let's pray. We hope that today's message has challenged you spiritually and has been an encouragement to you in your walk with the Lord. For more information about Trinity Baptist Church, or if you have questions about your relationship with Jesus Christ, please contact us on our website at tbcwestfield.com or on Facebook or Instagram at tbcwestfield. Thank you so much for listening today. Join us again next time for more Preaching at Trinity.